The scripture reading this morning is uh, the book of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And so it was, as the multitude pressed against him to hear the word of God, they were that he stood by the lake of Jacinanet and saw two boats standing by the lake. But the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to pull out a little bit from the land. And he sat down and taught from the boat, from the, uh, taught the multitudes from the boat. And when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, uh, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered we have to- uh, to- and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And, and they set their net, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come out and help them. And they came and, <clears throat> and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all the other, uh, all who were with him, were astonished by the catch of the fish they had taken. <clears throat> and he, and he went from uh, from J- James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were uh, partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, "Do not be afraid." From now on you will catch men. And and when they had uh, brought their boat to land, they they <coughs> fortook all and followed uh, followed him. Appreciate Sam for that reading, lengthy reading. If you want to leave your Bible open there to Luke chapter five, that is the subject and the text for our lesson this morning. And I will meet you there in just a moment. We have a good crowd here this morning as. Uh, Uh, Several have mentioned already, we welcome those who are visiting among us and glad for those who have uh, made it a point to come and worship with us this morning. If you found the church to be friendly and loving, if you found the Bible classes to be helpful and edifying, if you find the worship service to be uplifting and certainly glorifying to God according to what we find in the pages of Scripture, won't you consider coming back and growing with us? Won't you consider making Graber Road Church family your family? And we can visit with you and let you know exactly what the Bible's process for doing that is and how it is that you too can have the hope that we have here. But we're glad for you to be here this morning. I'm told that Arabian horses undergo a very extensive training whenever it is there in the deserts of the Middle East. In fact, they go through these rigorous uh, training exercises so that they can be 100% obedient to their master. And it's said that the final test is, is derived of such. They de- deprive the horses of water for several days. And then the master takes the horse and lets the horse go near to a place where there's a lot of water present. 
And just as the horse begins to reach the water, the master blows the whistle and calls the horse back. And that is the test of obedience because the master then, if the horse turns and comes back, gives the horse all the water that the horse needs for survival. It is not that the master is being ugly or unloving when it is, but the master demands full obedience from the animal. And it is that God knows, folks, what we need as his children, and he wants to supply it. But as we sing, and certainly as we've referenced in our Bible class this morning, there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. If you'll take your sermon outline sheet there in the middle of your bulletin, if you're following along with notes, the very first statement is really the thesis for what it is that we're doing and trying to accomplish here this morning. There is a difference between trusting God with the easy things and trusting God with everything. There is a stark difference between just trusting God with the easy things and really trusting God with everything. There are some things that are relatively easy as far as matters of faith within the Christian life. When we talk about Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25, how the Bible tells us they are not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much so, more so as you see the day approaching. We understand here is something and an opportunity for me to trust and obey the Lord Jesus when it comes to coming into worship and coming and assembling on the first day of the week, Acts chapter 20, verse 7. But when it comes to things like how it is that I treat my wife or my husband, whenever it is that I'm out of the assembly, the way that I talk to my children or the way that I talk to my spouse or the way that I speak on a general basis. Again, we've been studying James on uh, James chapter 3 on uh, Sunday morning. We've been studying through James. And certainly that has very much to do with our speech. But when it comes to our speech patterns and the type of things that we say and what we say and when we say it, instead of trusting the Lord in that situation... We want to have the tendency to grab the reins and say, no, Lord, I got this. <laughs> I got this. I know exactly what my wife needs to hear. I know exactly how she needs to hear it. And we sometimes get ourselves in trouble sometimes, don't we? There's a difference between trusting God with the easy things and trusting God with everything. What it is this passage in principle has to teach us, folks, is that there are boatloads of blessings for those who will launch out into the deep. At the words of Jesus, who will go into the deep and let their, down their nets for a catch, even when it seems like all wisdom, all human wisdom and all earthly wisdom fail us. And hey, we've tried this and we've tried this and we've tried this. I don't think it's going to work. I don't think it's going to work. But looking at the words of Jesus, when he talks to these disciples, they've been fishing all night in the deep and they caught nothing. And yet Peter, in his words, says, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, but at your word, that's it. At your word, we will launch out into the deep. We're going to let down our nets for a catch. And Peter opened himself up for the abundance of blessings that the Lord was going to provide on that occasion. A couple things about a deep water faith that we need to notice this morning from this passage. That is, how can I trust God with everything and not just with the easy things? Principles from this passage. Number one, understand the fact that this passage in principle teaches that the Lord chooses not to minister to others all alone. 
The Lord chooses not to minister to others all alone. Again, consider the scene. Here is Jesus standing here beside this lake. And there are multitudes. There's a whole lot of people there that are pressing in to want to hear the word of God uh, from him. Question, is the word of the Lord powerful? The answer would yes, have to be obviously yes. Is Jesus God on earth? And the answer is yes. And it is, does Jesus have the powerful, being powerful, does he have the choice, say, to give all of the people miraculous hearing? Where it is that he could just speak in maybe a quiet hushed tone standing right there on the seashore so that everybody could hear him absolutely clearly, crystal clearly. Could Jesus project his voice miraculously to the point where everybody could hear him? Could he do that? And the answer is yes, obviously. What does he choose? The Lord finds two fishing boats, one of which belongs to Simon Peter. And what the Lord chooses to do is tell Peter, listen, push back a little ways from the land. And what happens is, is there's a natural acoustic phenomenon. And you can look this up on YouTube. It's amazing to watch. But here's somebody that may be standing 100, 200, 300 yards up on the hill. And because Jesus is back there away from the land, he's able to speak. The sound reflects and it's able to go up into the hills to, so that everybody can hear him clearly. He chooses to use Peter's boat for that. He doesn't choose to use that miraculous hearing. He doesn't choose to use uh, the miraculous speaking. He chooses to use Peter and his boat. Folks, Jesus never intended for our Christian life to be a Lone Ranger service to God. We are not the Lone Ranger when it comes to our service to God. And if I find myself in a situation where I am by myself and I feel like I'm living my Christian life by myself, I need to re-engage with the people of God because God, Jesus chooses not to minister to people all alone. You know, we need each other. We need each other with regard to encouragement and living a Christian life. We need each other when it comes to, uh, to, to encouraging and, and strengthening and rebuking even sometimes as necessary, as Paul would tell Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3. You know, the Bible refers to, the New Testament refers to the church as a body. A body. Romans chapter 12 alludes to it. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 clearly states it. That we're the body of Christ and we're each members of one another and members of the body. Question, if my big toe decided tomorrow morning to leave my body and just be MIA and then just suddenly come back maybe two or three weeks later, would that be helpful for my body during those two or three weeks? You say, no, of course not. How ludicrous is that? Because my big toe is attached to my body. Well, what about if my arm just decided to attach itself from, the, from my body and just leave and go on vacation for two or three weeks? And the rest of the body is trying to struggle to make up the difference where my right arm was. We'd say, no, Andy, that's ludicrous. How ludicrous is it sometimes that we as God's people think that we can be effective Christians if it is that we divorce ourselves from the church for a time, for a month, for two months, for three months, and then just come back as if nothing, nothing's wrong, as if nothing's happened. You know what? We need each other. And you have a particular part to play within the body of Christ. Do you realize that? You have a particular role that you can play that nobody else can play. And you have a particular blessing to offer the church of God and certainly through the cause of Christ that nobody else may be able to offer. 
It's wisdom, the fact that God didn't say everything belongs on the preacher's shoulders. Let him do the visiting. Let him do the preaching. Let him do the teaching. Let him do the exhorting. Let him do the rebuking. Let him write all the notes of encouragement. Let him to fix all the meals whenever it comes time that somebody's sick. Let him to do all these things. We need each other. And folks, that's the body. Working together for the good of the whole and certainly for the good of the cause of Christ here on this earth. What part do you play in the body? What's your role? Are you an encourager? Are you a teacher? Are you a helper? Are you a follower? Are you a person who's willing to help and no matter what the circumstances are? We need everybody. Because Jesus chooses not to minister to others all alone. God in his wisdom knew that the body would need various parts. And when we talk about the roles and the body, that's a great reason why somebody would drop everything to follow Jesus. Think about this from the passage, how it is the deep water faith understands that Jesus uses the familiar to do the incredible. Look at verse 2 here. Jesus sees two fishing boats standing by the lake and said the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. They had finished their evening. They had finished their work. If you look down at verses 4 and 5 at Peter, when he talks to, and Jesus talks to him, he says, when he stops speaking, he says to Simon, Simon, launch out into the deep, let down your nets for a catch. What's Simon's words? He said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and we've caught nothing. There are none of us in this room. I know there are some fishermen in this room. But there are not fishermen that I understand are the same way that these men were fishermen. This was their trade. We like to fish for pleasure, don't we? We like to fish because it's fun to do. These men fished because their livelihood depended upon it. And these men, because they were washing their nets and they were putting everything away so that they could go home and rest and do it all over the next day, now it is Jesus is there in their boat. And Peter says, Jesus says, let's go back out one more time. Let's go back out and we're going to launch out in the deep. Peter, put down your nets for a catch. Two words in here I want you to concentrate on because I believe this is the difference. The word master there in verse 5. It's a New King James word uh, uh, that they translate master. A whole episode is changing from this word master. The word means overstander or overstanding. It is the word that we get a word superintendent. I could probably go someplace in Rosenberg to an administration office school administration office, and I could say, I would like to visit with the superintendent. What's his responsibility? Well, he's the one that's standing over whatever his district is or whatever the school system is, and it's his job to look over everything and make sure that everything is just as it ought to be, the uh, nutrition schedule and the curriculum and, and uh, the, all the workers and the staff and all those. It's his responsibility to look at those things and say, yes, everything's is the way it ought to be. Peter uses this word to talk to Jesus. Master, we've toiled all night. I know you're the overstanding one. You're the superintendent of all things. He said, Master, we've toiled all night. We've caught nothing. But at your word, we're going to launch out one more time. We're going to drop down our nets. Note what happens. Again, spoiler alert. You jump down to verse 8. Simon Peter saw it. What did he see? He saw the miracle. He saw the fact that when they launched out and they put down their nets for, uh, for a catch, they couldn't pull in all the fish. In fact, they had to call the other boat and help that, have them help. When Peter saw this, 
he said, fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. This is not the same overstander. This is the word kurios. This is the word Lord. You see, masters would come into a room in the ancient Near East, and the servants would greet them. Kurios, Lord, I acknowledge that you are sovereign, and I am the servant. There is a change that needs to happen in our lives, folks, via a recognition of authority, superintendent, versus a submission to that authority, Lord. As we transition from Peter looking at Jesus as an overstander, master, to a Lord, I'm your servant. That is the journey of every single Christian. That is what Jesus wants us to do more than anything else, is not just to recognize He has the authority, but to live underneath His authority. So it is that we recognize something about ourselves. Now, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 26, or 1, verse 26, rather, he said, Consider your calling, brethren. There's not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble. Why? Because it is. Those people are too busy trusting themselves. But folks, for us, we have been put into this body by the blood of Jesus. We have this part to play in the blood of Jesus. See point number one for that. And as we have that, Jesus is able to do familiar or incredible things through the familiar, through you and me, living out our lives on a daily basis, trusting in Him. Saying, I know that I need, want, really want to say this to my wife or to my husband. I know I can just get at him just good. But you know what? I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to temper my words by the Spirit of Christ. And I'm going to speak those things that are going to be an encouragement for my husband or for my wife. You know, I know that it is that me my, living my life in simplicity and good works I give an opportunity for God to be glorified through those things, through me just living my life. God hasn't called us to do anything amazingly incredible. Jesus said, Peter, launch out into the deep. Let down your nets for a catch. That's exactly what Peter was accustomed to. In your life and in my life, we live our lives every single day based upon the word of Christ. And Jesus is able to do incredible things through that. Think about this. Jesus moves us from the safety of the seen to the risks of the unseen. Jesus commands these soon-to-be apostles, again, launch out into the deep. Well, again, they've been out in the deep, haven't they? Verse 5 says, Peter says, we've toiled all night, we've caught nothing. In fact, as they began to wash their nets, it means they're done. And washing their nets, they want to get all the water and all the bacteria and things out of there so the nets don't decay early, but that they do that. I can imagine that's probably a pretty lengthy process. There's sometimes that I'll do dishes or I'll do um, laundry. And I'll do laundry until the fact that every single basket in the house is gone. I mean, every single basket in the house is empty. And I'll do dishes to where it is that I've gotten the ones that sit by the bedside and I've got the things outside and I've got all the dishes. And... <laughs> No sooner than I've done that, than you have a child that comes and says, Daddy, can I have a snack? <laughs> well, yeah, but you're going to have to eat it in your shirt, right? You know, just, no. Why? Because I've washed it. I put it away. We're not going to use dishes anymore. Hooray, right? <laughs> Sadly, that's not the way it works. <laughs> it is that here it is. These fishermen, lifelong trade. They knew the risks of fishing. 
They had washed their nets. They'd put them away. And it would have been easy for them to say, you know what, Lord, can we do this tomorrow? Can we, can we take this back up again later? Can we delay or belay your command to us? Because I'm really tired. We've been fishing all night. We caught no fishes, as the children's song goes. And we just want to take it easy, and we just want to go home. We want to go to bed. Peter says, Lord, at your word. At your word. They could have sat there, pushed back just a little bit from the seashore, and said, Lord, how about we just let our nets down here? Just one more time, just, just to see. But there was no blessing to be had in the safety of the scene. Brothers and sisters, when we look at ourselves and we see ourselves through this principle, there is no blessing to be had in being apathetic, sitting in safety. Christians who are saved to be, as one man said, bolts, just holding down a pew. There's no real blessing in that. There's no real blessing in saying that I have faith but not showing that faith in a practical daily way, James chapter 2. is no blessing if it is that we choose to stay in what we can see. Oh, I see that this person might get angry if I try to tell them about Jesus or I try to tell them about the gospel, so therefore I'm not going to trust Jesus with this. I'm not going to say anything at all. There's no blessing to be seen in whatever it is that I, I have my children that are, uh, that are, that are being disobedient and, and looking at them and saying, you know, I could get involved and I could you know, start World War III, but I'm just really not going to. I'm not going to answer my, I'm going to answer my children out of wrath and not out of their good. So we operate according to what we see, and we fail to launch out into the deep to where it is that I'm going to trust Jesus and say, you know what, this person needs to hear the gospel. You know what? My children need to hear daddy speaking in a way that honors and glorifies God, but to let them know their behavior is not acceptable. There is a security in where we are. But that's not where the blessings are to be found. Peter would say, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, Grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He would begin that same epistle in 2 Peter chapter 1 saying, Add to your faith virtue and virtue, self-control and self-control, perseverance and perseverance, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, love. That means my faith, which is the foundation, doesn't need to just sit there, but I need to start adding things to it. Virtue, lion-hearted courage. I need to have the courage that when I read the words of Jesus on the inspired pages of Scripture, that I'm going to go when he says go. I'm going to stand when he said stand. I'm going to stay when he says stay. I'm going to follow his word, and I'm going to do that faithfully because that's where I know the blessings are. Launch out in faith. It's a difference between trusting God with the easy things and trusting God with everything. It is another potential, another uh, rather uh, uh, consequence of a deep water faith. Jesus will prove his potential by breaking our nets and filling our boats. When they had done this, the Bible says, that is, launching out the deep, letting down the nets for a catch, they obeyed the word of Jesus, only the word of Jesus. They caught. And I can imagine the surprise on Peter's face as he began to try to pull up that net. And he's looking at this going, what in the world? And how it is that they have to call out of the boat and say, come on over here, come on, we need your help. And they grab the other side of the boat and they're trying to pull all these fish in to the point where the boats are sinking. 
I've never caught that many fish. And I can't imagine, I can't imagine the surprise on these disciples' faces. But they came to fill both boats so much so that they both began to sink. The result for these men of a deep water faith, a faith that's willing to trust even though their own resources may have failed us, even though their own abilities had obviously fallen short, they fished all night. They were doing that exact same action every, all the whole night to the point where they were came back and they were washing the nets and they were tired and they probably just wanted to go to bed as we mentioned. The difference was Jesus. The difference was the one that they had in the boat with them. You find yourself disappointed more often than not at people, at life circumstances, at missed opportunities. Do you find yourself dissatisfied with your life? I know that if I just had that bass tracker, I'd be happy. Why can't I just buy that bass tracker? Make myself happy. Do you find yourself discouraged, cast down. You find your life being lived in the doldrums. May I encourage you, take stock of who's in the boat with you. Jesus was there with these men on this occasion. Jesus was there in the boat and it's not enough looking just to the one who made this world. But who they had in their boat with them was the master of the sea, master of the sky, master of the universe, master of the seen, master of the unseen. And he's there in the boat with them. My mind's called back to promises that are made to Christians. Didn't Jesus say, last recorded words of Matthew after he gave what we call the Great Commission, Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20, the very last thing that he said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, Matthew 28, verse 20. Isn't the promise that we can cast all our care upon him because he cares for us? 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6. Then Hebrews writers say in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Who's in your boat? If we are New Testament Christians, bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, he's with us. He's with us every single step of the way as we strive to live for him. As we strive to do his will here on this earth, he's with us. And it is that we don't launch out in the deep and we don't trust and therefore, again, we don't receive the blessings. But every time we choose to trust the Savior, even when everything else is pointing away from him, we have the opportunity to receive boatloads of blessings. Let's keep it real just for a moment. There are times when I don't feel like getting up and coming to Wednesday evening Bible class. <gasps> Preacher said that? There are times when it's been a particularly bad day. And when I'm tired, and I'm tired of helping Catherine wrestle kids, and I'm tired of maybe things that I've had done in the day, and there's sometimes that I'm just worn out, and all I want to do is just prop my feet up in the recliner and turn on the TV and just turn off my brain for the next three or four hours until it's time for bed, and then you get up and start over all again. Can I tell you something? What I've found is every single time that I don't feel like getting up and coming to Bible class, 
and I find that I have the strength to get up and come into Bible class, there are unexpected blessings there that I wouldn't have received otherwise. That's exactly the place that I need to be because that's exactly the time that God is going to richly bless my life to say thank you, God, for an opportunity to come into your presence and to study your word with your people. That's exactly the time that I look into God's word and I realize that it's relevant to my life. But the reason why we don't operate with those blessings is because we don't trust enough to come even when we don't feel You think Peter felt like going out in the deep and launching down? He didn't. They'd already washed their nets. They put away like the dishes. But at his word, Peter did what was right. Peter did the word of Jesus, and he received the blessing. Brothers and sisters, there's a difference between trusting God with the easy things and trusting God even when we don't feel like it. Think about this, that Jesus conceals his surprises until it is we follow him. What a roller coaster ride the next three years must have been for these disciples. It is ups and downs, laughter and tears. But Luke records that it all began with these men in a boat, recognizing that this man overstanding them as a superintendent was now Lord and Master where they submitted themselves to him. As I think about this in this particular episode, and how it was that the next three years must have been very, very interesting and exciting for all these apostles. Beginning with their ministry as apostles, etched in their minds is this boat that's about to go under because it's loaded down so much with all these fish. And then it turns to feeding of the 5,000, turning the water into wine, raising the dead, healing the sick, and all the miracles that Jesus would do here on this earth, all the signs that John would record that he did so that others would believe in him, all the teaching. Can you imagine sitting at the feet of Jesus, at the literal feet of Jesus, and listening to him talk about things like life and spirituality, about marriage and about how the home should work and how the family should be and how it is that we ought to conduct ourselves so that we can be called righteous and how it is that we need to rise above just playing church like those Pharisees and Sadducees were so fond of doing. And yet at the same time, Suddenly the Lord turns solemn, and suddenly the Lord begins to speak strange things about his death. And I'm thinking from the mindset of these apostles and how it was that they didn't quite get it. And pretty soon they, they get to a dark night where the Lord is saying cryptic things about peace and about uh, going away and not coming back and going away so he could come back. To the point where it is that I'm now running away from him because here's some men that are going to arrest him. And they take him, they beat him savagely. They crucify him, nailed him to the cross. To the point where I think this is the end. But that's not the end. Because three days later, Jesus didn't stay in that tomb. He's now the risen Lord. He's now the risen Savior. He's now the one that I put my faith and my confidence in. And I, my faith is renewed. My confidence is renewed as these men. But here's the thing. As I read about the conclusion of the Gospel of John, what John seems to decide is that he's going to go back to fishing. He says, I'm going to go back fishing. And as he pulls away from the land in the book of John chapter 21, and as they, they fish all night, they don't catch anything. Does that sound familiar? But there's a man that's now standing on the shore that says, let down your nets for a catch. And what he did at the very beginning of his ministry and what he did to help reinforce Peter's faith. And letting down their nets again, they caught 
a great abundance of fish, and so much so that Peter said, it is the Lord, and his loyalties are secured. Everything point back to the Savior. Brothers and sisters, we mentioned that Christian life is the greatest life that you and I could live. Amen? It is. Did you ever think about your Christian life as we launch out into faith day after day, how it's really kind of an adventure? Because we don't necessarily know where it is that we're going to end up. But as we launch out in, in faith and obey the word of God through Jesus Christ, as we do that on a daily basis, we give an opportunity for God to be glorified, but us to share in the adventure. The people that you know in your life. The places that you've gone. The brethren that you've spent time with. I know Alan and Troy and others have spent time in India knowing brethren there that you might never have ever known before. Up in Pennsylvania or up in Colorado or, or wherever it is, Philippines. There's a lot of works that this congregation is a part of. And those things may never happen if it is that we choose to stay where we are. But it is. The greatest surprise that Jesus has for us has yet to be revealed. John, as he concludes the revelation, has a vision of heaven. And as John tries to describe it using human words, as the Holy Spirit inspires his pen, the only thing he can do is use the word like. Similes. The street is, is like gold, clear as glass. The city is like this. The gates are like this. The picture is like this. Why? Because words are going to fail. How beautiful and how wonderful the greatest surprise God has for us is going to be. Last one. Jesus is going to reveal his objective to those who are going to release their security. Peter, as he sees these two boats that are now sinking, takes the occasion, turns his attention away from the fish, and turns his attention to Jesus. And he says, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. There's a humility there because he recognized who was sitting in the boat with him. As Jesus says, Peter, don't be afraid. Verse 10, from now on you will catch men. That's his new focus. He'd been living his life for himself, for his own security, for his own house, for his own financial independence, as it were. And now Jesus says, here's what you're going to do from now on, Peter. You're going to catch men. It's interesting to me to think about Peter's life, a life that's focused on the will of God, and how it was that he was the one, his recorded words in Acts chapter 2 are the one, some of the words that caught the first 3,000 members of the church. How it was that Peter's word were the first ones that caught the first, as we would call him, Gentile convert in Acts chapter 10. And how it was that Peter, as he, Jesus knew what he needed, he gave him that forgiveness and focus so he would desperately need as an apostle and as an elder of the Lord's church. But it's interesting to me, when you get to Galatians chapter 2, here's Peter, who had been fellowshipping with these Gentile Christians, but whenever there were some that came from Jerusalem who were Jewish Christians, he began to withdraw from the Gentile Christians and just associate with these. And the words of Paul rebuke him to say, Peter, what you're doing is not right. What you're doing is not right, Peter, so that refocus Peter's mind so that he could continue faithfully accomplishing this mission that Jesus gave him here in this task. Folks, when we launch out in steadfast obedience and faith, we may not know the outcome or 
may have some unexpected results. But what we've got to realize are there's things that we need to let go of in our lives before we can fully trust Jesus, before we can launch out into the deep. When we talk about evangelism and things like that, we're going to give money for this cause where we're going to evangelize the entire community of Rosenberg. Well, I don't know about that. Is that really the best use of the Lord's money? Is that really an opportunity that we can best use uh, the way that the means that God's blessed us with? Launch out. Here's an opportunity for God to be glorified and the people can have an opportunity to obey the gospel. Well, we're going to give money so that we can encourage others and in, 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 uh, sending them on this mission trip. Well, I don't know. It seems like to me that money could better be spent or be kept in our pocket and saved for rainy day. Launch out. Launch out. We have an opportunity and a responsibility to obey the words of Jesus and to follow after them faithfully. We can do this. God's will be done because we trust in what God has said. Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. There's a difference between trusting God with the easy things and trusting God with everything. Brothers and sisters, I ask you this question by way of application. What way are you going to trust God more this week? What way are you going to more faithfully follow his will this week? We all have opportunities. We all have the responsibility to trust. How am I going to use this lesson so it is that I'm not just going to trust Jesus with the easy things, but I'm going to trust him with everything? Maybe, just by way of application, Maybe it may mean that I need to change some speech patterns with regard to what I say and who I say it to and how it is that I say it. It may mean that I need to change the way that I relate to that husband or wife. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 5 that I need to take into account and think about how Christ loves the church and husbands, that's not the way that we need to love our wives. Jesus is saying, launch out. It may mean that I take my money and I think about more fervently how it is that God's going to be glorified through my use of that as a channel of his blessings. Jesus says, launch out. Maybe it is that you've never obeyed the gospel of Jesus Christ. You've never launched out in faith in understanding that Jesus Christ is the son of God. And you've never fallen at his feet like Peter did and said, depart from me, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. It is through believing in Jesus Christ and confession of his name and repentance of your sins, saying, I want to serve you more than anything else. I want to go your way more than anything else. I'm going to change my mind with regard to my sinful habits and my lifestyle, and I'm going to serve you faithfully. It is that you become a candidate for New Testament water baptism. That is, we will immerse you into water for the forgiveness of sins. You will be raised to walk in newness of life because that old man of sin is washed away there in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. And it is that you live your life confident in the will of God, launching out. If it is that you've been failing as that as a Christian, if we can help you and encourage you, we want to do that. If it is that we can study with you and help you to realize your purpose in the kingdom, won't you let us do that as we stand and sing our invitation song?